Chairman. Come on! Welcome and hello to episode 8 of Dynamite Neddy. Uh, I'm Mick Cloverty. Joining me as always, I've got Mr. Mick McCormick. Hello. And Mr. Andy Mack. Howdy. And all the way from not very far, actually, we have Mr. Leo Glaster. I just did a silent, like, cool point at the microphone. Yeah. So that everyone knows how cool I am. It would have been yeah. good TV, but it wasn't very good radio. It wasn't good radio. <laughs> I didn't think about that before the facts, but that was just what naturally came to me to, right. to do. What's everybody been up to? What you've been playing? What you've been fucking with? They're just back for G-Force, man. God rest its special. R.I.P. G-Force. R.I.P. Damien Murray. God, um, were they burying Damien Murray alongside them? Like, like oh. the, the I, ass- I assume his soul was contained somewhere. Well within the shop, and that when the shop dies, he also dies. <laughs> they look very distraught, man. They look very distraught. Is that his wife that works there as well, or is it just an employee? I would hate to speculate, but I'm guessing, guessing yes, he's, he's married. married. He's married to all his employees, I guess. He's probably yeah. a sex We mentioned the, the green up shop for back in the day. Ah, and, uh, she said. Uh, that, no, that's going way back, isn't it? And I says, I, I don't know, we're all, we're all old bastards here. Uh, but she said that this is on a whole different scale. It's like, if, if the great man going missing with stage two cancer, this would be stage four. Independent game shops are not really going to be much of a thing anymore, I don't think. Well, <laughs> nah, not when they were trying to flog off a boxed copy of Pugsy, which <laughs> you may remember from episode, what, four or something, yeah. um, for 20 quid. The last man standing is Pugsy. The last Mega Drive game on this fucking shelf. R.I.P. They said they've been around for 27 years, which I was surprised but I am not convinced by <laughs> but I haven't lived in Glasgow for 27 years so I can't say whether I believe that did you have or... one in Sheffield? no no. I thought it was just that one I, I didn't like it very much and I'm quite glad to see it go oh, right. <laughs> there, was there was three there was one in uh, Greenock there was one in Glasgow and there was one in Motherwell ah, yes, yes. business empire <laughs> yeah the but, Greenock um, one fucking cottoned on to that um selling Pokemon cards individually in a big very plastic uh, uh, like yeah. inflated prices that's like, how you do uh, it I was back in my hometown of Sheffield recently and I went to the old like war games shop that they used to have there when I was a wee teenager to see if it was still there and it is still there and I'm fairly certain it's sustained entirely by the fact that it sells individual Magic the Gathering cards oh, uh, are you from Sheffield? Races. yes can I ask a question about Sheffield? of course right. how come Sheffield is always a setting for nuclear disasters in film? Uh, <laughs> it, because it, now not very many people know this but <laughs> on the international stage Sheffield is recognised as the most tactically significant area of the United Kingdom oh um, um, because of I couldn't think of an idea quick enough to sustain that lie. Yeah, why not? You had me fucking hooked onto the line. The now. Arctic Monkeys like, are from there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's probably why. To be honest, <laughs> if we take out the Arctic Monkeys, the war is won. <laughs> well, is that me? That film, Threads, which is fucking terrifying. That's, that's it. Yeah, that's a horrible movie. That's set in Sheffield, man. Oh, yeah. It's basically about the nuclear destruction of a British Oh, town. shit, yeah, I've seen that. It's terrifying. Got the full Monty. Good yeah. money, aye. That's I terrifying for different reasons. That's, that's even worse, aye. <laughs> so look into 90s Britain and everything seems so quaint. Bad, bad day when fucking Begbies in Sheffield taking his gear off for money, innit? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But we digress. <laughs> I mean, I would probably pay to see Robert Carlyle's dick. Like, not a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking ugly, an extra tenner, you can see it twice. <laughs> you can see it for me. Um, so, obviously, we were um, 
rummaging the fucking ruins of G-Force because they have a, a clearance sale in light of the fact that they're closing down. Picked up some weird items. Yes. Is anything you want to share that you, you managed to scavenge? I get kind of swept up in the romance of it all. I bought some absolute oh, just yeah. garbage that was worth... Um, Two and eight and nine. Nah, Super Wetrix. What, what is Aqua Aqua Wetrix? I can see it poking out of the carrier. This is now. the sequel to a spin off of Tetris called Wetrix, which is, takes place in an isometric plane, and you have to you, you, you have to like terraform a little landscape and put some puddles in it, and then. Is it one of Ducks those? appear and you get points. I don't really How remember. The fuck is that a Tetris sequel? <laughs> it's, it's, it's quite, yeah. Well, no, like, oh, the, the bits fall down like Tetris. Alexei Pajitnov, who I don't know if he actually designed this one, but he made Tetris and then they were like, shit, what else does this guy have up there? Uh, and then he made Hattress. <laughs> which is like Tetris with hats I'm he guessing he made Wetrix he made like Tetris he, with puddles he made, made Tetris too bit of a, a, a one track pony yeah. some sort of intervention with the Soviet government because he was making so much money off his game or something or something crazy like that I mean if you <laughs> history of Tetris is his own episode right, right. So, well, he died yeah. in one of Stalin's great purchase yeah <laughs> <laughs> he, 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 he lives to this day he recently <laughs> Recently did an, an interview for the Gentleman's Quarterly, as Jacob Rees-Mogg calls it. Um, <laughs> Tetris could be seen as a kind of metaphor for the purchase, like you're not out one, you're not out three at the same time, you know, nah, nah. A Gentleman's uh, Quarterly is what Jacob Rees calls it when every three months he slits the throat of a, a homeless person. Yeah. If you could get a... That's what he calls his pants. <laughs> <laughs> if you get a visual represent, representation of the word gormless, Jacob Rees-Mogg would appear. I saw him described uh, in a newspaper article as a rejected uh, Paddington villain, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I thought that was that's the best description I've heard of him. I've also seen so someone um, say that he names his children after Final Fantasy bosses. Uh, <laughs> a Kodo character waiting to die. <laughs> if you take old Beano issues and make Dennis the Menace's skin brown, it's an origin story for Jacob Rees-Mogg. Because <laughs> then you've got an Asian kid pelting him with rotten tomatoes and stuff, and he's like, <laughs> and joins the Tory party. Uh, yeah. uh, what else, okay, what else did I buy in GeForce? Um, I bought Die Hard Trilogy because I got it mixed up with Die Hard Arcade. Well, Die Hard Trilogy is pretty good. Leave that on the shelf because we could talk about that in an episode of this. One of the original for the PlayStation games, right? Yep. Everybody had. Great game. Um, I've already forgotten the, the Mega Drive game I got. Uh, oh, ah, that's right. Uh, bought a wee cartridge, loose cart. The only, one, the only one that was there so was like Jim, Jimmy Wednesday. Rolling Thunder 2. I actually quite like the cover, which right. is a it's shit. Kind of James, it's bad radio. Jimmy Bond. <laughs> come, can it, I yeah, come? it does have a kind of like James Bond, but it looks like James Bond had just gone into the office to do some admin and, <laughs> and then got attacked by what looks like a power. Judge Dredd. <laughs> yeah, kind of Judge Dredd Power Ranger. There's a, woman with, there's a woman with one hand. Oh no, she's got two hands. Sorry. It's like some ridiculous pulp sci-fi. Yeah, it does. Look, it looks pretty fun. Is it, is it a game where you play as Miss Moneypenny and you have to just do James Bond's taxes? I, that's <laughs> the kind of Steam game I would play. <laughs> Not one piece yeah. of DLC to be found in no one's yeah. other. Um, Marco. Oh, see, oh, that's pretty good. Um, I bought a Pokemon game, uh, a Pokemon bootleg, because I've got a wee bit of fucking, and I can't, I can't go one of these intros without uh, talking about Pokemon in some way. It seems like, but um, I like finding the bootleg ones that are mostly made in like China, and you get them sold in like market stalls and stuff, and everything's a wee bit weird and off. Um, and I found one of them in G Force, and I picked up a Japanese Game Boy game for ninety nine pence, which we found out was based on a comedy anime um, about. 
Tarzan uh, and the main joke seems to be that he's got a fat missus <laughs> Sim- <Yeah>. simpler time <laughs> I have been playing um, an old retro so I like I enjoy uh, Japanese RPGs yes yeah. um, although well here. The, yeah for a long time I would have said that I just enjoy Japanese RPGs what I've realised over the years is that I do very selectively enjoy Japanese RPGs because <laughs> I've played lots of or started lots of them that it turned out I found really boring but I've just discovered a new retro RPG JRPG series called East um, spelt Y S. Yeah. Uh, very, 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 very loosely based on a French myth of an ancient city called East, which was swallowed. Oh, I didn't realise that. Um, and it was created developed by Falcom, Nihon Falcom, who de- developed Dragon Warrior, which is. Uh-huh. By we worked out a margin of about three months, the first ever kind of top-down ARPG action RPG kind of uh-huh. Legend of Zelda thing. Right. Um, because I, I I thought I was going to like out trivia because we were talking on WhatsApp and he was like, "Yeah, Dragon Warrior was actually the first one of those," and I was like, "I mean, does it predate Hayblade?" And he was like, uh, "Yep, yeah, look by by a couple of months." Screenshot. <laughs> 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 so this isn't Dragon, but this Quest, no, it's, it's not Dragon, Dragon Quest, Warrior. which is called Dragon Warrior yeah. in the yeah. US. Yeah, no, uh, so. Dragon Warrior I don't know very much about except that it's a top down uh, RPG and it has lots of sequels where they mixed the mixed up the mechanics of it and so they're not all top down RPGs but East was the game they made after that in 1987 on one of the old Japanese home computers PC80 or whatever they were called oh, the only thing um, I know about East is that you you don't have like a sword button you just kind of bump into this is my favourite <laughs> yeah this is my favourite thing about it and they're still making them now the ninth one is about to come out later this year but I'm not very interested in the new ones because they've put proper combat in it but what <laughs> I what I love about the old one is that the combat system is literally you just run into an enemy but you have to make sure you run into them at the right angle right so that your yeah the right pixel so that your sword hits them instead of your body <laughs> And that Fantastic. means that it and that means that it kills That's them. Like a dragon crystal for the Game Gear, yes, or um, yeah. That that Mega Drive one that's also really great. Uh, oh, Fatal Labyrinth. Fatal Labyrinth. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, 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 amount recently, of gold, the amount of gold you collect just determines how lavish your funeral is on the oh, game. Oh, it's my favorite yeah. game of, time, <laughs> of, all, of all time. Uh, but a company called oh, shit, I forgot what they're called. A, a, a Android game developer um, has been porting loads of old games onto Android and iOS, and East is one of the ones that they've done, and they've re- redone it. Um, and it looks really pretty, kind of pic- like updated but very retro pixel art. And they've done, you can have three versions of the music. So you can have the original PC80 music, or, or you can have like the music that they put it on when they ported it to the MSX, or you can have like this new orchestral score that they've done for it. Um, I'm into that. That's a feature. That's, uh, and it's a feature that's made for me. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I like a toilet game as well, so I'll, I'll make a look at it. <laughs> and the music, the music's pretty yeah. decent. You can get both one, East 1 and 2 for about five reach um, and yeah I thoroughly enjoy it I got about two thirds of the way through it then changed phone uh, and lost my save and oh. then I liked it enough that I went back and started I playing know. it again um, <laughs> and I really really like it plus there's a bard in it a female bard that plays the harmonica um, so obviously I was going to I don't think you more than anything else that plays the harmonica I it's the only bard I've ever encountered unless you count Snufkin as a bard in Moomins which why isn't there a Moomins RPG that's a very <laughs> very good question <laughs> uh, but anyway yeah so that's what I've been playing mostly cool um, what have I been playing oh, um, guess of oh, no I went to the um, Southside Games Festival um, oh yeah it's kind of near my house and it's, it's always all indie games so they had like just a little expo of, um, of indie games that have been made most of them made locally 
So um, I played um, Stories Untold, which is, uh, that's the kind of text adventure, but with kind of meta elements. Um, it's like four different short stories. Um, and you play as a, well, in the first one, you play as a person sitting in the bedroom in the 80s playing a text adventure uh, on a something that looked like a ZX Spectrum, but then kind of creepy things start happening in the room and stuff. It's like pretty well-regarded game, um, but... I'm I'm gonna buy it, but I think it's quite atmospheric and playing it in the room in a room with loads of other people um, wasn't a great idea. Uh, um, um, there was a a little kind of uh, top down game where you play as a guy with a bowling ball for a head who attacks enemies with the bowling ball. I just liked it because it was called Dunderheed, which is <laughs> the main character's called Dunderheed. I guess it was a Scottish developer. Yeah. Uh, there was also um, my favourite feature of the um, Indie Games Festival was it wasn't a game, it was just a, a video you could watch um, and listen to, and it was. Um, a journalist from Canada he went into do you know that app VRChat yes yeah he went into VRChat and just interviewed um, uh, kids that had been bullied about their experience so he had this really heartfelt conversation about bullying between two avatars of Kermit the Frog <laughs> in various <laughs> like, there, outlandish settings was there not like 10 Ugandan knuckles jumping about going, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> no I didn't see anyone asking if, if they knew the way uh, but yeah just uh, quite enjoy the kind of the dissonance between the conversations but also like it was like two care of the frogs on a pirate ship that sounds quite nice that's um, Andy Mack you've been playing much yourself um, apart from No Man's Sky I'm sucked right in but FIFA we bought a FIFA I've seen a video of you um, playing Sonic Adventure yes. surprise surprise oh, surprise, yeah. surprise shout out to AJ um, not really been playing much, to be honest with you. Played uh, a wee bit of today's game, which leads us on nicely. Yeah. All right, okay. Um, well, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about why I picked uh, Super Punch-Out for you in that case. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. At first, I felt like it was a wee bit of a cop-out on my part, because no, no. earlier in the day, I'd asked you if you'd played Punch-Out, and you went, yeah, we played it at college, um, which shows you what kind of state me and Andy Mack yeah, would have probably been in when we were at college together um, but then I, after I gauged it kind of thought more about it and I was like no actually it's more of its own game a lot like they're, they're different enough and then also I thought you've got your weird fetish for big giant arcade style sprites um, and I and I was like, yeah, it looks like a Neo Geo game or something. So, yes. perfect. Aye. But, what did you think? Aye. It's just a puncher. As we said, we played the, the older one. And I was, it was a kind of formulaic thing where it was a sort of like rock, paper, scissors. Like, you had to do the opposite of what the computer done. So Memorise the pattern. Like, yeah. yeah. Right. So the computer went right, you would have to go left. And vice versa. There wasn't much to the game, was there? It was like a sort of sequence-based game. Super Punch It was, um, surprisingly, quite deep in its gameplay. Do you think? Um, ah, I reckon so. Um, instead of just having a body punch and like a, a head punch, you had like, the wee bar at the bottom that lets you go mental. Um, but you also had quite a wide variety of pu- uh, different punches as well. You had different strengths of punches yeah. and places to go. Well, um, you could also do a counter punch as well. Yeah. So su- Super Punch It is... Punch It was a cabinet to start with yeah. um, before it got ported to the NES. Mike Tyson's Punch Out. Well, the NES thing was Mary It's and Beast. Um, but Super Punch Out is a lot more like the arcade experience. I'm led to believe I've never played the machine. I was thinking the best thing to do um, here. It, I mean, 
punch a punch out, right? As when it's an arcade boxing game. Well, I mean, it's it is most loosest sense boxing. It's well, I I, I I was saying to you before, like it's it's not a boxing game; it's an arcade game I'll, about boxing. Aye, I'm going to how it's not boxing. It's just, <laughs> it's just not boxing. Well, good, good day. It's just, it's just not boxing. I'm sure that some of the tactics that um, what's his name? Uh, I've never seen a boxing match where the Bob Charlie where the guy can boot you in the face. Or the guy with a staff as well as the not. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there's, a, Where's a referee? there's a few things, man. There's a few things. But we have all the ideas, right? There's, there's kind of one of the best things about this game is the kind of multiculturalism. And the oh, diverse the, the old punch out nah, was that, um, <laughs> I wouldn't say that's a good thing. No, like well, see, see if it's not a good thing, right? So the old punch out they made all of these and right, I wouldn't say it was hardcore racist. Like it was more in tune with like um you know like a lower low yeah, where like caricatures. They were just caricatures, Aye. yeah. So punch out one leaned really into that and had ridiculous caricatures. Super punch out I think dialed back on it a bit, whereas punch out we like me and Leo sat and watched like video footage of Punch Out Wee and they fucking they went all in on it they really did they, they, I, I think they I think it was probably one of those sort of things where they were just relying on because they were calling back to what the game used to be yeah. it was almost taking the piss out themselves for uh, having, for having when you, that when you knock out Glass Joe croissants fly all over uh, the ring yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, like, I don't know how high I was in a row Fighting my way through three multicultural, racially diverse circuits in pursuit of the ultimate prize. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's not wrong. Right, so. Fighting around the world. You play as a wee guy called Little Mac, but I'm going to change it to Big Mac for the integrity of the Scottish. Well, and also, and also you, could, you could just. Little Mac could be a Mac. Mac. And it could be headcanon that Little Mac is a MacArthur, actually. He's well, also a lot bigger in Super. Oh, yeah, he's oh, he big sprites. Like, yeah. really creative. And he's, he's mean looking. He's like this ca- like, angry looking. An anime character. It looks, it looks anime. That's it. And he's bleached his hair. He's weird. Uh, yeah. Wee Mac, we're going to call him. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, right, let's get through a few of these waffles for the game, right? Uh, you talked about, about some of the opponents. Aye. Right, right, right. First up, you get Gabby. <laughs> so are you hungry? <laughs> <laughs> first up, you get Gabby J, right? French dude. Right, a, a French dude. Um, no, this guy is the weakest character in the game. His um, his record is um, one, one to ninety nine. Right. He says <laughs> that is a, is a cheese eating surrender. He, he, he refuses to retire. He says that he can win. He can still win one more before he wants to retire. Um, there's not much else to say about him other than he goes, hey, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, also like, um, Gabby J can heal himself. Like, does he? Oh, uh, uh, <laughs> If you take too long to like land hits, he jumps back and then he goes, Yay! He's also and then he gets like more health. He's also quite well travelled. Like he's grey in a beard and all that, grey beard and well, but he's I, also no, 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 no. <laughs> I was I was motioning to Leo because I do have grey hair, but that, that's not like, no, that's not why. Well, right, yeah, yeah, I say this guy's a pensioner. <laughs> Gabby J is your favourite punch out he, character. He's, he's not only my favourite punch out character; he's probably my favourite fictional boxer. <laughs> uh, I, I don't. I just find there's something so endearing about. It was the first time I ever played Super Punch Out, and the first thing he says to you is something along the lines of "Please let me win." <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't want to. It doesn't retire feel good that. getting a win over him. I he's don't got enjoy. Oh, yeah. he's, 
got like 99 professional him. losses. <laughs> I, want to, I want to play as him. But the, I do. The, do you know who his one win is? I don't know if Andy's got got that in his. In oh, his that's as good. I don't. Like, like, yeah. like, his his one win is against his mentor, who is Glass Joe, the French guy who's the first oh, guy you fight right. in the first game. Got you. <laughs> it certainly wasn't Germany. No. <laughs> <laughs> but, but anyway, so you answer him. Let's get him out the way. Uh, second up, pissed out the hurricane. What a name, what a name. Bearhugger. Second oh. one was, do you know what? Oh no, you fight Bearhugger before pissing the hurricane. Sorry, sorry. Because I only get as far as pissing the hurricane. I'm getting my twos and my threes mixed up. It's fucking semantics. Right, right okay, so Bearhugger, <laughs> uh, white supremacist. What is this? <laughs> <laughs> do you know what, I'll give you that. It looks suspiciously like the front man from fascist punk band The Mentors. Do <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know El Ducci? The guy who was on Jerry Springer with the Hingles. Right. <laughs> yeah. He was actually brought in and questioned about the death of Kurt Cobain. Oh, this is the guy that you sent to the group chat earlier? Aye. Oh, I never get the context. It looks like fucking spitting image him. Um, but, um, oh, Bear Hugger's Canadian. Was he? He's, and he's one of the only few... So it's the, the Punch-Out Wii game is mostly characters for the original Punch-Out. Um, and only like one or two from Super Punch-Out made it to that. Um, but Bearhugger made it in. Uh, Mike Tyson definitely didn't make it. <laughs> <laughs> for <laughs> reasons. Bearhugger's self-explanatory. He tries to give you a bear hug. That's his special move. Mm. Um, now, Bearhugger's belly is very fat. Uh, so his belly becomes a, the target. Aye. Boom, boom, but body shots. It's not what you think. No, you've got to rub his belly first. <laughs> <laughs> you've got to wait on the belly rub, right? And then you go for it. Right, boom. Right, okay, that's what, enough of him. So what's the attack you do um, to him where he catches your fist and makes a weird noise? He, he sticks his tongue out and goes, aye, or something. That's yeah. why he thinks it's not a David Boxing, man. Like, yeah, um, well, I mean, the... The kind of mechanic of it is about um, building up these super punches um, and then yeah. utilising them properly yeah, yeah. when you get like the, the proper chance. Like You build up a wee bar at the bottom and when the bar gets to maximum you can sort of unleash but if you take one bit of damage it puts the bar right back down again. So, it's like, so you've got to build up some momentum. Yeah. Well, that's kind of like real boxing, I guess. Uh, well, I suppose. I suppose in a way but it's just not boxing. Person <laughs> 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 Hurricane, number three, Cuban dude. Uh, oh, Diva La Revolucion, my man. Let's just say that you're figuring up, right? And right. Uh, a tornado comes and wrecks your house. Are you going to call yourself after the tornado? Um, maybe. Maybe, right. Because that's what this guy done. This I, would guy, need, I would need some good alliteration or something, maybe. This guy said that his home was destroyed by a hurricane and he had to go and become a boxer in order to pay reparations to his family. Um, and he's called Piston Hurricane, so he's actually took the name of the godsend Death. Well, actually, I've, I've just realised something about uh, it's Batman. I've, well, I've just realised something about Piston Hurricane, and he wouldn't be a professional boxer if he was a die-hard loyal Cuban, because obviously he would have to have yeah. gone over to Miami and done a runner um, in order I, to pursue <laughs> that particular dream. Um, <laughs> so there so, he is a bit of a Tony Montana figure. Put on here, looks like a melted Eddie Murphy, even their tash is turned upside down. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be good if he was wearing the purple suit from his stand-up <laughs> What was the Japanese guy in the original the Red suit? Oh, Piston Honda. They do have the same name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, some of these are just palette changes, man. Well, P- Piston Hurricane and uh, the Irish boxer Aaron Ryan are a, a palette swap. But Aye. Aaron Ryan is just a white Piston Hurricane. I've not took any notes about this guy's... Um, 
Bubba-dum, this guy's attacks her. I'm guessing by name Piston, he punches pretty hard. He, he's got a, he can, he can shuck and jive, and uh, then he can hit you with like, <laughs> um, stru- he's like, got like a really long combo. Yeah, like, yeah, that's, that's oh, the one, yeah. It's like he's, he's, he's hurricane attack or something, where yeah. he just punches when he's about half, like, his, yeah. half his health, he does a, a really quick attack, and you have to block like up, down, up, down, up, down. Then you can pitch it properly and then you then it's really hard. Up oh you couldn't get by him? No, I couldn't get by him. I figured out that but I couldn't yeah, I couldn't go any further than that. Take pictures he's hooshing he's a fucking hurricane. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number four, this is a now we're getting to the end of the minor circuit here, this is a minor circuit champion. Baldy Bull. Bald Bull. Bald Bull. He, he, he was a he was a he was a cha- oh, we'll call him Baldy Bull. You know why? <laughs> he, he was a champion and of one of the circuits in Punch Out One as well, I think. Do you know why he's called Bald Bull? Is he perhaps bold? He no. is bold, but like he's yeah. bold. Right? Somebody did with Turkey, no? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> he was actually born in Istanbul. Ah, right. Ah, right. oh, okay. Right, okay. I've got here. Welsh riddled with a bad case of male pattern baldness. Let that not be an indication of weakness. <laughs> For my friend, this man is bold. Well, like it, the hull of a Clyde Bolt merchant super tanker, and won't be moved for no cunt. <laughs> <laughs> he's um, that including you that you managed to beat him. Yes. Oh, no. on, eh, I, I saw I saw a, a screen a screen grab you gave earlier. Are you beating the minor circuit? Aye. So I get by him, man. I, see, be honest, minor circuit. Right. The, the thing about the the next one, the major circuit, is just the start to introduce one hit knockdowns. Oh, I well, bald bull bull is the introduction of that when when he does his bull charge, but yeah. it's really it's it's quite easy to dodge. When you get the the major circuit, it's instant kills as well and stuff. So yeah. Mm. If you're not um, on the ball, you can be easily. Put to bed, you know. <laughs> um, first up on the major circuit was Bob Charlie. You know, Bob Charlie was the rest. See the first, I, so I couldn't get past the first fight. He's a pallet swap of Gabby J. Ah, uh, but with dreadlocks. I yeah, got really mad. Here. Yeah. <laughs> I got really mad at Bob Charlie, man. I, I remember texting McCormick at one point after he'd beat me for like the tenth time, going. I'm glad Bob Marley's dead. <laughs> Apart from it took me far too long to realise Bob Charlie was a, a pun of Bob Marley. <laughs> he's actually second when I found that. He's actually a thinking man's Bob Marley. <laughs> Apparently known as a giant. That's, that's, that's the episode title. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently known as the Jive King of Kingston, no less. Um, he utilises deception and. The form of dance. He's so smart that he realizes the medical utility of blood transfusions. Yep. Also, that's a better. Oh, <laughs> that was a slow burn. <laughs> Jeez, oh, uh, just like nice. <laughs> and this is where the incongruity between the universe of punch out and boxing sort of presents itself <laughs> in terms of the rules because. Uh, Bob Charlie uh, likes to fall down <laughs> um, and then gets up, the ref keeps counting when he's on his feet <laughs> and repeats the count and then he falls back down again and the ref keeps counting as if <laughs> So, that's not boxing. <laughs> um, I, Bob Charlie, he's getting a few combos as well, he'll hit you about one. He's, he's the first guy that you'll notice God this guy can knock me out in one punch So out of interest Did you get by Bob Charlie? No I, well, Yes yes I did Oh I right did, okay But not in my second playthrough um, I've only done the ones that I've actually completed I've got two more I think Right 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 uh, Right next one is Dragon Chan Representing the Orient <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is, is place of birth just the Orient? <laughs> <laughs> 
Really? Representing the audience, Jackie Chan is supposedly a cross between Bruce Lee and Jackie Chan. Two of the more obscure Oriental people. I think I might have seen one of their movies once. Apparently, he's from Hong Kong, and apparently, you're allowed to book cunts in boxing in Hong Kong. He kicks you. He, he, he fly kicks you, man. So you're not he bounces all over the ring. This is a boxing game, mate. You're not allowed to kick them, and they're allowed to kick you, right? <laughs> because we Mac does it by the book, man. Well, he probably doesn't actually. Um, it's, oh. it's highly corrupt. <laughs> also, under the table deals going on. It should, in, in a kind of roundabout way, he sticks it right up to Chinese. He sticks it up right up to Chinese. <laughs> Because as a even though he's named after two Chinese men. No, no, no. He's from Hong Kong. He's from Hong Kong. Um, oh, very, very nod. apt. That's a news story. Well, it won't be when this comes out. I mean, a nod to Tibetan monks. Oh. Uh, who are the mortal enemy of the Chinese? <laughs> <laughs> Where's that card? He <laughs> <laughs> can, he uh, can actually meditate and retain stamina. Ah. Uh. See, I never made it as far as him, but I, I, I did watch a YouTube playthrough. Um, but yeah. yeah, so he can regain his stamina, but you can't. So he's allowed to fucking put you <laughs> first guy, and he's allowed to fucking. You're not allowed to punch him while he's fucking meditating there. Imagine Tyson <laughs> Fury. It's un- unsportsmanlike. Well, Leo, as a, as a keen studier of the martial arts, mm-hmm. um, what's your take on Dragon Chan? Uh, <laughs> he, um, I've never actually got to him. Uh, I, in the Wii one, when you punch him, sushi flies around his head. <laughs> uh, which is. Well, uh, well no, that's Mr. Honda. So, uh, right, right, I, right, I was yeah. going to say that makes no fucking sense because it's supposed to be in Hong Kong, but, uh, but that's a different character. Uh, so, what I've actually done is just conflated the two Asian characters in. Uh, punch out and imagine that they, they were the same person. Yeah, it's it's not made me look very good. It's easy to punch out. Like, punch out makes us all look bad. So, thank you, Tibetan monks. So, Andy, do you think, rather than you're saying it's not a boxing game, do you think perhaps Super Punch Out sort of predicted the sport of uh, MMA? Do you know what? Oh, that's a hot uh, take. Well, if it's a tribute to Bruce Lee, Bruce Lee's often credited as the, as the father Start of the MMA. MMA. That's right. I, yeah, because his... Um, he's often credited as it. Well, his, his Jeet Kune Do was kind of like an amalgamation of all different martial arts. To be honest, yeah. I think it'd be more uh, rock, paper, scissors in MMA. <laughs> I, mean, I, I think playing this game. Um, now, getting away from the Oriental side of the game, we move on to the Mexicans. <laughs> Is this the guy you get stuck at? Well, no, no, I got further, one further. But uh, the Mexicans, funny enough, get actually quite strangely get away quite easy, which just doesn't happen very often for and, the Mexicans. And Super Punch Out, a lot of them get away easy compared to the other games. Aye, but the Mexicans in particular, for instance, uh, you would have liked to have seen more tacos. No, 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 <laughs> I like the Mexicans as much as the next guy, right? <laughs> Enough said. But uh, this is a. Uh, it represented it's Mexico represented in a sort of lucha wrestler package oh he's, yeah there's a, there's a luchador fighter I That's forgot about him yeah. is he frog splashy and shit like that well I put, yeah, <laughs> he's not getting much he's not too descript to be honest he's more nondescript no fucking about his name is quite simply Mast Muscle ah right okay. which kind of sums him up um, he headbutts you he headbutts you man Mal- well, Mike Tyson did that 
Mike Tyson was in many ways the perfect mascot for punching because <laughs> <laughs> he headbutts and he bites like, <laughs> like, <laughs> but I thought it was quite good that the Mexicans got half easy compared to a lot of the other ones um, uh, finally this is the last one that I could in fact two or two more right you did a lot better than me this one is Mr Sandman this is the American he's the champion of the major circuit uh, now who you probably want to get a punch fan who is Mr. Sandman based on? Ooh. Pennsylvania. Well, I was under the impression that Mr. Sandman was the was there instead of Mike Tyson in the un, in the non Mike Tyson version. Um, that was Mr. Dream. Oh yeah. But Mr. Sandman's in Punch Out One as well, I think. Oh. He's actually from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Same as Joe Fraser, who oh. was um, obviously one of Mike Tyson's foes ah, in yeah. the heavyweight division. Smoking Joe. Yes. Um, now he's got a thing called a Midnight Sleeper Punch which is pretty self-explanatory um, Doorface Bastard right. only grins when he wins <laughs> <laughs> that's a major soft kit now I can't contribute anymore because I've just got bum 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 one old soft kit and this is an, I only got one in the world circuit I think even getting in the world circuit is a bit of an achievement you're like this, this is an Irish dude I'm just assuming this Irish guy going to have a balaclava no, and throw no, like Irish dudes only get three lanes here and it's a uh, Irish dude Southpaw and he likes to do the Irish jig and <laughs> <laughs> the that do damage and in, in the wee version yeah. he's mental he and he cheats himself in the face and yeah. stuff to like psych himself up that's, that's as far as I got man so that's, that's that's about as multicultural as the game got for me. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't get to the end. It's, I mean, he's obviously completed it. This I don't know. Well, I, I have watched a speedrun of it, mm-hmm. um, so I've so I've cheated and I've seen all of the ends. But there's, a, there's a secret final circuit after the world circuit which you can only get if you haven't like taken a punch or something, something like ridiculous that, something like that. Yeah, yeah. So I oh no, it's quite a. Quite a nifty wee nifty, is that okay? Nifty's fine. Nifty yeah, wee arcade game uh, where it uses very nuanced counter punching um, in order to make quite a simple game seem more in depth than it perhaps actually is. But, um, well, in terms of your big sprite fetishism, oh, take all the boxes there. I cringe everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really nice looking very nice. Game. I, I like the little bit as well. Big sprite, lovely. It was very, very good. I, now, I, just, I just like, it's just tight controls. It's quite a, it's quite a kind of good sort of arcade sort of game. Like, it's quite, it's, yeah, it's got a bit of depth. It's not polished, man. It's, it's a Nintendo IP, isn't it? It's like a Nintendo. Yeah. So, the music, even the music is good. It's like, dun dun it's got all that kind of vibe to it and all. Now, to finish off, and I hope that's enough content for one game as I shuffle my DWP letters. Um, um, for, the, for the listener, Andy did in fact have all of his notes written on some DWP letters. Um, right, so to finish off, here's a little piece. Um, because I get to kick up the arse today on the group chat for not having enough notes, <laughs> I thought I would write a poem. Oh, yes! <laughs> oh, I love these. This is obviously about punch out, or super punch out. Right. Um, right. Right. We Mac had a dream as daft as it seemed, he wanted to be a face. After squashing the frog and taming the cyclone, the first of three circuits was aced. <laughs> On to the majors, they'll do you no favours, cause you're only one hit for the canvas. <laughs> Between Bob Charlie's hair and Dragon Chance Flair, you know you're no longer in Kansas. <laughs> You'll shout 
all your prick you when some dafty kicks you in boxing that isn't allowed <laughs> but a critic of money because punch you it's a journey and the panic just isn't allowed <laughs> thank you very much well done yeah <laughs> um yeah, I, I, like we we actually can't say anything else. About no, I can't. Really. Um, yeah. Except that it really annoys me that they've not done a fighting game of it where you can play as the other characters. Because you want to be but Gabby 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 Gabby. Yeah. <laughs> Right. I'm just imagining a film like Rage and Bull, except that's Gabbage. Gabbage, a poop player punch it. That'd be great. And a, a movie about Gabbage. Like I, I can see it in my head. Like this guy is obviously like mentally ill. Like he's too old to box. Like he's pathetically like. Challenging people with fights, they don't want to beat this old man up anymore. He's fighting for food, man. He's fighting for food. Rocky meets Eddie the Eagle. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, Mr. McCormick, do you want to expound a wee bit on why you picked Mario and Luigi's Superstar Saga for myself? Yeah, so as I was saying last time, Mick kind of um, unfortunately had been landed with um, some dodgy games, some that he didn't enjoy, some that just didn't work very well when he tried to emulate them. So I kind of cast my mind back to some uh, some games that I quite enjoyed. Um, so I spent quite a long time with the, the GBA, um, kind of sunk a lot of hours into that in, in childhood when you could you afford to just be playing. Um, handheld games um, all, through, all throughout childhood um, when travelling to places or just sitting in the house um, so yeah Mario uh, Mario and Luigi I know that Mick likes Paper Mario um, oh. I'm not sure if he likes the other ones this are kind of and Mario RPG yeah yeah nail the heat yeah so this game's kind of like uh, it kind of expands on the ideas in that um, maybe maybe one of my favourite of the kind of Mario RPG type games um, so yeah I just thought Mick would just have a bit of fun with it uh, and I did um, it's sectional no I can um, <laughs> so the um, well the first thing that that I noticed with my kind of like wanky writer he done is that you've got your bog standard Mario plot Something's, something bad's happened to Princess Peach quest to you know fix it return the mushroom kingdom to normalcy just uh, never really been very interesting but what I like about it in this instance is that it does not take itself seriously for a second like um I think Mario as a character, when you look at the kind of mythology of him, um, I mean, it's about an Italian-American Brooklyn plumber fighting a lizard monster. Like um, He's mostly depicted as a little bit overweight, this kind of mustachioed guy. So I think it's... I've seen the movie, oh, yeah, Bob Hoskins. Um, <laughs> I think it's tonally kind of all over the place. <laughs> if they try to make Mario look like some kind of badass, or you know, like he's there to kick ass and take names or whatever. Mario Bros. So um, he's an unlikely hero. So the the fact that Mario and Luigi are never depicted as anything other than these two kind of gibbering Three Stooges style idiots that usually win by fucking I don't luck or something like that. Like, <laughs> I, I enjoyed that quite a lot. Um, uh, it's full of a lot of silly humour um, you know mm. you're kind of the Toby Fox who we mentioned weirdly quite a lot I didn't, I didn't realise that I liked Undertale this much <laughs> um, but he he cited this alongside Earthbound as one of his bigger influences oh, um, I think mostly down to the silly humour because you're playing this thing if you don't have a smile on your face your inner child has died. My favourite running gag in the game is, um, you know, you, you're trying to introduce yourself to various char- characters, like you're trying to get into the castle to save the princess, and they're, they're like, stop, who are you? And they're like, oh, we're, we're Mario and Luigi. And they're like, oh, Mario and Luigi? 
shows your jump. Yeah. <laughs> he tries to jump and he jumps like unmistakable. Shit, man! Did you see that? Do you guys have euphemism for shows your cock? <laughs> I mean, uh, Ron Jeremy played Mario in a, a porn movie. Was that him that played in like, not the cartoons, but you had like a wee live action sections? That like, wasn't Ron Jeremy. It could not pass. It was called the Super Horneo Brothers. I mean, off off the cuff, can we come up with one better? Just quickly, I don't want to derail this too much. Right. What? Can we come up with a better porn title? Women Raider. No, based on Mario. I mean, I'm like, if there isn't already a Wim Raider, I've got one. Like, right, Super Mario sixty nine. So, okay, but my my favourite thing uh, about it was just undeniably the combat. Uh, So. The developers were these guys called Alpha Dream, which uh, one of the kind of main dudes who worked on it, which I did, I'm not racist, but I didn't take down his name because I wouldn't be able to say it properly. It would have sounded silly. But um, so one of my excuse for not knowing the guy that made the music from Earthbound as well. Um, Always be suspicious of somebody that starts a sentence with "I'm not a racist." (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, So the uh, so one of the main developers for Super Mario RPG worked on this. Um, and I thought it was cool seeing the progression, having played through Super Mario RPG and Paper Mario, to see like so Super Mario RPG was a square RPG for the SNES, um, in which you had your typical turn-based battle system with magic and attacks and what have you, um, and they added a little bit of that kind of interactivity, you know, like a a little bit of fucking Nintendo salt and pepper just to make it taste a little bit better, <laughs> right? So they flung that in, um, you know, like the odd timed button press or certain yeah. attacks that you had to button mash for. When you get along to Paper Mario, kind of spiritual successor to that, they stripped away some of the JRPG stuff and they added in a wee bit more interactivity, a little bit more about the time button presses, things like that. When you get in Mario and Luigi, Superstar Saga, they have done away with like the the biggest chunk of the kind of the I don't know if you would call it like dead weight or whatever. Like yeah. um, There's not a lot of numbers and stats and it's it's almost all about timed button presses. An enemy attacks Mario, you press the A button to jump and dodge it. Somebody tries to attack Luigi, you press the B button, um, which you have to control two characters at the same time, which yeah. kind of threw me, but ultimately How's really enjoyed it. I thought um, it, was, it works in a kind of genius way because there's a, there's a Mario button and a Luigi button and that kind of does everything. So you control the menus. If you're Mario, you control the menus. But if you're Luigi, you control oh, the menus. Okay. And that can you can do you can do some quite complicated things. So like if, for example, there might be an enemy that does a kind of looping path around the level when he attacks you. So you might have to jump over him with Mario, and then he comes to Luigi, and then you press B to jump over on Luigi. Oh, and like, does it have like battle screens like an RPG? Yep. So you transition to a different battle screen. However, like um, Chrono Trigger um, and Earthbound, um, it's not so much random battles. You will have little guys walking around mm-hmm. on the overworld that you can jump Dragon on Christ. or hit with your hammer so that you get like the initial advantage in battle or if they run into you then they get a little advantage that's, that's a mechanic that's still getting used now Dragon Quest XI uses that yeah. mechanic so you see like slime bouncing yeah. around or something yes, that must be 
Wait, when was Mario? Well, what, what is it? 2003, yeah. it was a GBA game. Right. Um, they, they made a sexed up version of it for the 3DS mm-hmm. well, recently. If I'd have known that, I would have maybe played the newer version, but <laughs> I, played, I played the old version on my phone, full disclosure. Mm-hmm. Um, McCormick had to beat a mini game for me in the pub one night that I couldn't get past. <laughs> yeah, because um, um, I, like, I thought it might be because I struggle a bit playing some games in my phones. The games that require kind of a lot of yeah, reflex and interactivity because you don't have the feedback of the physical buttons. Mm. Um, so, yeah, Mick was really struggling to get past a certain checkpoint and I, I got past the minute game quite easily so yeah it might just be you <laughs> the, the the game at certain different parts did this thing that I wasn't a fan of where it would throw up these kind of arbitrary barriers um, it would teach you a new thing and then you would play through like a little bit of the dungeon so for instance you learn that spin jump you, can, you, can, you learn that Mario can hover um, with a kind of spin jump thing or Luigi can can't remember which one so you would play through a dungeon where you have to like use that to get to further away platforms and stuff but then you would get to the end of that and they would say right now do that like 20 times and collect these orbs in 30 seconds and it it fucked with me because I I wasn't very good at it Um, as I said (laughs) you had to get past it in the pub for me Um, there was another one with a minecart that fucked me off but um, (laughs) the the thing about it was the, the battle system for me man it was like beauty and simplicity um, I loved it um, the fact that uh, that they, they did away with random battles I actually didn't like that much because you um, more <laughs> I, I was addicted to them yeah. like I would have probably like level ground Mario and Luigi to like level 20 like way too early in the game just because I was enjoying the fight so much it's like, a few kind of simple ingredients but combined to do quite a lot because um you, you get more powers as it goes on, but it mostly revolves around either your jump or your um, or your hammer. Mario and Luigi both have a, um, their own hammer, um, and you can, yeah, it. You have to decide which ones to use. Like some enemies might um, be spiky and you can't jump on them, or um, some of them are, are high up and you need you can't use your hammer. Um, but yeah, it combines it in a lot of interesting ways. You've got so, like, special attacks where you press button sequences, and when you dodge enemy attacks, you have to use a variety of different jumps and like batting things back with your hammer and stuff. Well, see, the the thing about the spiky enemies and stuff that was introduced a way back in like Super Mario RPG. Yeah, like um, it seems as if they they really just when they're making these kind of Mario RPG spin-off games which in itself sounds as if initially that it just wouldn't work that it's a weird thing um, they just kind of trim the fat and keep the best elements or it, it seems like it anyway um, for each new one that comes out um, did either of you have any of you played sort of Mario RPG Paper I've not Mario? played any of them uh, I, I, I watched Game Grumps playing Paper Mario, ah, right, um, and I enjoyed watching them play it. Yeah. I, but I, it's funny from watching it. I'm talking about how I like JRPGs very selectively. Watching Paper Mario did not make me want to play it in the slightest. Oh, I really? thought it looked really? really dull and annoying, um, but not because I thought it looked bad. I thought it looked great. I just didn't find it very appealing for myself because it just felt a bit kind of static, I guess. Ah, but um, but it it kind of makes sense. Because Mario is such a well-loved, not just a really well-loved franchise, but also this kind of massive like mythos that's been like now really well fleshed out, just in the number yeah. of games that they that it has and the world that it exists in is so kind of three-dimensional that it makes a lot of sense to to do a role-playing game of it. I feel like it kind of it, like there's a world for it to sit in that that works really well. I think yeah. um, that it's like uh, Star Wars, right? So the first Star Wars movie they made 
was such a timeless masterpiece that you could just write a hundred books about it and make all these extra movies and video games and all this other content. Like, I mean, I'm not saying that Mario 1 is so good that all other Mario games are good, but, like, the foundation was there, just the fucking... Well, these games, platformer stuff, it used to be like, Sonic gets robotic, Mario saves the princess, but then it falls into the hands of the zeitgeist, and then it grows arms and legs, and before you know it, the developers are taking parts of it, the zeitgeist is saying incorporating it into games. I, I would actually, unfa- I would compare Sonic unfavourably to it, um, like particularly something like Superstar Saga, because of what I was saying uh, initially, in terms of the fact that like Mario and Luigi are totally played for fucking laughs, like they run around acting like Mr Bean, like they, there's all this slapstick humour, they run into walls and stuff like that. Yeah, like, I would say it's, from Sonic Adventure onwards that Sonic series has taken itself far too nah, seriously. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like seeing Sonic in these weird cutscenes where he's like jumping in a little limo and going, what's up Mr President? <laughs> yeah, we need to stab robots. See it's at like, the end of Sonic Adventure 2 they're like cutting that. about in space on like a fake, like a, so- a Sonic version of the death star. Yeah. They've already done that with death egg and it was fine, but they kind of brought it up a, a notch and made it destroy a planet. I, 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 just, for that. I just think that Mario saves Princess. As I say, it's not that interesting, but you can reinvent it over and over again and that's fine. Like You can put these new spins on it, you can make it funny and stuff. Like I don't see anything wrong with Sonic being this radical environmental terrorist that smashes up robots. I was just going like, to say that it's, I, I always find it disappointing that they've never done, as far as I know, uh, a game of Sonic Underground. Oh, you're, you're talking to the right man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is by far and away the best Sonic cartoon. The best thing about Sonic on that was that guy's hair, the green guy's hair. Yeah, I like that guy. Hedgehog with his with the with the drums, but, but and because that was like I think I feel like that was like the zenith of of like Sonic's transition into like an eco-terrorist because he is literally an eco-terrorist <laughs> yeah. in Sonic Underground and it was good <laughs> and they, they made and, it up and, they and wanted the, to kind of yeah, exactly, yeah. like, and, and I feel they like, they, like right. they had like that weird like the tragic backstory that they were all orphans and like their mum was like a freedom fighter that had to like abandon them to, and, and, you know and then it kind of tipped over the edge and now he's like kissing human women Aye. and stuff oh, and see oh, if you look at Sonic timely in the cartoons it starts off with that kind of Adventure of Sonic the Hedgehog just brainless that was, a, that was very much a kind of 80s Sort of is that the one where he's voiced by yeah and then yeah. it moves on to the, the kind of story driven kind of Saturday morning one the very, and then the very, the very serious night, uh, 90s and then it moves on to Sonic Underground and then it moves on to like the anime Sonic X it's as if they had the same audience and they, they grew up yeah. <laughs> the Sonic kind of grew up along with the audience you and know? Then it, it's yeah. weird, would you like to know given that you mentioned Sonic's original voice actor would you like to know some voice acting trivia about Sonic the Hedgehog yes yeah do you know who well so Ben Schwartz is voicing him in the movie yes uh, of Parks and Recreation fame is uh, John Ralphio yes um, <laughs> do you know who has voiced him in all of the cartoons and or the majority of cartoons and video games that throughout the Drummond? late night I, I, no <laughs> either before or after him I'm uh, sure you're right but he's also been yeah. voiced by Roger Craig Smith Ooh. who is the voice of Chris Redfield from oh the, shit no the, I didn't know that at all games some, some, some range yeah <laughs> a guy from American sitcom that done it as well Julio White uh, Urkel aye that's it um, so yeah Sonic takes itself way too seriously and uh, the the idea of taking itself seriously does never enter oh, into the equation fucking running shoes and Mario and Luigi like they uh, uh, never like I, 
I, I played maybe three or four hours into the game, so I don't know if the overall plot gets any more subversive than that they need to go into the fucking Bean Bean Kingdom and Not save <laughs> Princess Peach's voice. Not really. Like, yeah, but that's fine. Yeah. Like, yeah, you don't need to rewrite story structure. Oh. You're Mario. Like, that's fine. Um, I like that the only voice acting for Mario and Luigi is just kind of vaguely they just Italian gibberish. Like, <laughs> 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 it's it's really it. funny. What's <laughs> good for the side quest, man? Like, if you can build a universe for side quests. I just find something notable about the fact that they rarely miss with Mario. Like, you put them in a fucking golf game or a tennis game or even like yeah. a weird FIPA game, and they're usually pretty fucking fun. Oh, I, um, I, I, I imagine, I imagine Miyamoto being a bit of a prick to work with, but he's obviously like, I imagine he's not going to take any bullshit. Yeah, he's like, he's got that. Yeah, he's got that idiom that he uses. Or he didn't say it, but someone that worked with him says, oh, "With this expression in Japan, called upending the tea table," and that's what that's what me. <laughs> Moto does he says we show him a prototype and we think it's amazing and he basically goes chuck it out <laughs> like get rid of it it's shite like he flips the table over and says start again the um there was a an interview like a, a weird documentary thing up on youtube about those english kids that went to work on lilac wars because oh, they, I, they built the I engine that video, Matt, that's great engine, isn't it but um one of the things they said was that they turned their office into an unofficial smoking room um, <laughs> and that Shigeru Miyamoto was a heavy smoker at the time and would often just hover over them chain smoking and going change that don't like that like, can you make the ship do this like, yeah. like some job they done man some job they done to take Starling and change it into what they did that's for another episode uh, but yeah in terms of kind of final thoughts on it, if, if anybody else had anything they wanted to say or anything else they, they kind of had well, to chip in. Like, talking about the way, the reason why Mario RPG works and what you were saying about it not taking itself seriously and being quite self-referential, I, I think Mario is in like a quite unique position for that because Mario is almost on like a pop culture it's, scale it's, it's, it's synonymous it's like, it's like with video games like Ma- yeah. Mario and video games are almost the yeah. same thing yes. Yes. so like yes. Ma- Mario bet more than any other franchise or character is, is really really well placed for kind of self-referentialism yeah. and kind of getting yeah. into yeah. that meta game and just chuck him in he's, he's the fucking referee in Punch-Out 1 actually so, which we never <laughs> heard yeah. Mario and Nintendo like fundamental and what a video game is yeah exactly um, but um, in terms of final thoughts, it's just that I really liked it. Um, I, as I say, I only played the first three or four hours. I'm maybe going to purchase one of the later ones in that series, or actually maybe go back and look at Paper Mario a wee bit more, which I like the aesthetic of a wee bit better. Do you want to show um, that 64 gives a shout? Put one in the cupboard. Well, Aero's got one down the road as well. It has the Evil Yoshi in it. Play that one. Oh, that, yeah, sold. Because I wanted to know the Evil Yoshi, the Evil Yoshi. Everyone. I'd recommend Paper Mario 2, um, which is on GameCube, I think. Um, just that's probably my favourite part from Mario and Luigi. And that also has a funny bit where you, Ma- Luigi isn't a playable character in it, but you meet him throughout your quest and he tells you that he's been kind of on this parallel quest. Which is really going to be more pathetic. Like, he regales yeah. you all these things like adventures been, been on. It is kind of like yeah. Yeah. actually, yeah. Um... Right, we'll move on. Um, Andy, why don't you tell Leo why in the name of God you picked where in time is Carmen Sandiego for him? Funny wee bit of synchronicity between me and McCormick. Uh, He had a handful of games, same as I did. Same as all all of us, yeah. Everybody had a wee handful of games. And the games that he played and the games that kind of sat to one side, Michael wasn't really a fan of... Text-based games, I think. Like, well, yeah, you were meant to like 
plot. This was probably before it reads. Uh, <laughs> but it was always this game that was, it had the EA. I've always thought his characters looked kind of weird. The, the, the yellow tab. And I yeah. said, I'm not going to have a shot at this. It was called When in Time is Carmen San Diego, right? Didn't fucking. Carmen San Diego isn't a thing over here. It's many an American no, really. thing. Apparently, it's some sort of pop culture thing in America from the 90s where it was a game show and stuff. And They were going to release a Carmen wearing it for every state in America wearing <laughs> Wyoming as Carmen San Diego. Yeah, wearing fucking Delaware as Carmen San Diego. Like Sufjan Stevens. Carmen San Diego collection. Carmen San Diego is apparently some country with a, a, a jacket and a big hat. She looks cool as fuck. Uh, she's, she goes over the world. Doesn't it actually. It's just petty crimes, didn't she? Steals German milk. She's kind of a Catwoman vibe. Yeah, we'll get into the type of crimes. So, it was totally different for everyone in McCormick Kid. We kind of. We were into platformers like James Pond and that we used to play. Carry on. But we very rarely played this. And when I actually sat down there, I could shot it, man. It was like a kind of weird experience that a Mega Drive had this type of game. I saw a game that kind of used text and images rather than education. having an education rather than having like moving sprites on the screen mm-hmm. and for that it was sort of yeah, it's, it's basically static aye, screens, for that it was a sort of kind of plot driven every, every time you played it was a different plot type I think and it was quite interesting and um, I think I mentioned it in the last episode and Mike will say that it'd be good to give you so that's, that's basically why I gave you where in time is Carmen San Diego. So what did you think? Yeah, where in time is Carmen San Diego? I, you know, I really enjoyed it actually. Um, I thought it was I thought it was really cool. I, I, I was me. I was watching it. I was I re- playing it. I was watching, reading, and playing it. Uh, all three at the same time, I suppose. Um, <laughs> and I was trying to work out what I would have thought of it yeah. if I'd been a wee guy, and that was like one of the only games that I had. And kind of sit and play in it. And honestly, I, f- I think I probably enjoy it more as an adult yeah. than, I, than I would have done as a as a child. Um, it's interesting. So it, it basically the way it works is you get recruited into. I assume that the instruction booklet explains this to you because it's really, really, really <laughs> hard to work out what the fuck's happening. The, 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 the Acme Time Detective Agency yeah. or something like and, that. And you show up in the building, which is like this weirdly dilapidated-looking uh, office that building that you show up for, in. For an organisation that can afford to build time machines, <laughs> yeah. the is in some <laughs> like the water, Like the water fountain's well, not working. Well, there's, yeah. like, there's a crack in some they of the doors. They've budget only so far. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, and you get, so you, get, you become a cadet in the time detective agency and you have to chase presumably Carmen San Diego though they never actually say that to you she's she's the mastermind and you're you're going after her henchmen yeah or so guess, you, so. you have to you yeah. have to go off and, and chase like time criminals that have stolen items from various <laughs> points in time for reasons unknown um, not always particularly valuable no they usually uh, they usually Queen Isabella's knuckles German mouse pyjamas Peruvian villages like panpipes and you um and basically it's done so it, it's set up in like these two screens so you've got a kind of a, like an artwork screen where you can see where you are yeah. and then you've got a screen where you're selecting your options and then you can you can for each place that you travel through time and for each place that you go to you can either talk to a random person there or you've got 
So you've got two options. You've got a witness, so you can talk to a witness who'll tell you something about where the thief went, and then you've got an informant which does the exact same thing, except, <laughs> yeah, yeah. except they also give you a bit more information. Yeah, uh, you get tons, don't you? you can yeah, tons, yeah. you have, well, it's time. So it's Pink. like you have a certain number of hours and it takes like a certain number of hours to do anything. So you kind of have to manage how many hours you've got with what you can do and you can scan things and that gives you clues to where you need to go next. And then you teleport <laughs> somewhere else and you have to basically catch a thief and you have to like build up a profile of who the thief is yeah. based before on... You, before you can actually catch yeah. him. Yeah, based on like an, an, an amazing set of criteria because you have their hair colour, their eye colour, their sex, and then who their favourite author is and who their favourite artist yeah, is. That, that's <laughs> that. and, then, yeah, that's that. And then you have to work out, it's like, yeah, the only five which, things that matter about which, a human person. Which, yeah, and then, like, they, there are only, like, four or five authors and artists to choose mm, yeah, from. Yeah, limited, yeah. And uh, w- once you build up a profile of them, you get, you can create, like, a warrant, and you, you need a warrant before you find them so you can capture them and then when you get to where they are you start, it, 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 the game tells you you're on the right track by making these little animations happen where Carmen's henchmen shows up and a little tune plays and they shoot a gun at you or something the first time it happened I thought I'd lost because the guy popped up and shot at me and I was like oh shit I've, but apparently you're bulletproof or they're just bad shots like, I don't know and it's like you, there's a pirate sometimes or like a little kind of caricature of an Indian man will descent on a rope yeah happen. there's a gangster there's like a there's like a Mongolian Guy, I guess. Like it, uh, Robin Hood shows Robin up. Robin Hood sometimes shows yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's um, man, that wee in the wee yeah. I then, like the fact that they're um, they're a kind of you know top secret um, time travel organization, but they followed your process when they yeah, when they, yeah. Oh, yeah, they at least they, yeah, they at least build a case against yeah, them. Yeah, no, they, have, they, they don't just disappear. Right. Yeah. You know, process is very important. It's come in San Diego. It's it's a very admin heavy game. Um, you were. And when you capture them, you get a fun little animation. You send like a little robot out to get them, and then it takes them up into the spaceship from Close Encounters of the Third Kind. <laughs> yeah, that's um, a hero's reception. And yeah, yeah, exactly. And presumably, I guess eventually you can like raise up the ranks. That never happened to me because I wasn't very good at it. You could then, and then like a lieutenant, and then yeah. blah blah blah. And then I guess eventually you you find Carmen San Diego and capture her. But the the all of the criminals have fun name fun like pun names there's Justin Case Justin Case uh, Nos- Nosmo King <laughs> which is more of a visual guy yeah uh, uh, Jacqueline Hyde Dr. Deranged Antebellum which is like <laughs> a the really period before uh, the period before uh, <laughs> I, well, I had to look it up it's the period of time before immediately preceding a war especially in reference Bailey to the American Civil War, Civil war. Um, it, yeah weirdly uh yeah, quite a mature concept, <laughs> but yeah, and it's running out of puns. I guess. So it's a it's an edutainment game. So the the point is that what happens is when you talk to your witnesses and they give you clues, the clues aren't oh they went to Italy. The clues are oh they went somewhere where. Well, like that's happened. They, 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 yeah. The example I've been given is because it was one that I had to look up because I was like, what? Like it was like the it was like I saw them going to Thomas Beckett's funeral. Yeah. And then you have to look up who the fuck Thomas Beckett is. Yeah, I did that. Everest is the highest mountain. In so, and, and, and as I understand it, I was playing it without this, but it, it came originally with a little encyclopedia with lots of facts. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I had the version on the same right drive with the, with the encyclopedia. Yeah. So the idea was that you yeah, you had to kind of look up um, these places and try and figure out where they were going. Yeah. I think as a kid I would have fucking dogged the encyclopedia. I think if I'd had some... I think I got the impression... 
it, I think it it feels like a really fun game to play with someone. Yeah. Like if you've got someone there with the encyclopedia, that's like looking the shit up, and like you can be detectives together, and like <laughs> well, it'd be man, really yeah. satisfying. You, you said that you had the the thought that you would enjoy playing it with your brother. Yeah, and I, I like when you said that, I was like, yeah, shit. Like I would have had my wee brother sat next when to me with a fucking book. When I was definitely not with Wikipedia. It definitely loses something with it. Yeah, playing the smartphone. Exactly. Although actually playing it on that makes it more challenging in a way because you have to go and find the facts <laughs> within the depths of the internet rather than just having them there. Yeah, and, and you, there but, could be a lot of misinformation. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> but um, but no, I thought it was it, it was really. I've never. Re- I don't can't think of any game I've ever played like it. Like it was. It's really clever the way that it's put together, and it and it, it's there's something quite satisfying and interesting and it the fact that it doesn't like conform to any conventions and it, that nobody said oh we should put some platforming in it or like yeah. nobody nobody at any point along the way said hang on a minute this isn't fun and and, and changed it and yeah. what turned out it actually turned out to be quite fun yeah, yeah it's an idiot yeah it's quite weird. Not yeah. executive meddling as you would Exactly. Yeah. Although I, I did, having said that, I played it for about 25 minutes and then got yeah. bored. But you know, I'm a 30 year old man, I've got better things to do. But yeah. as a child, I think I would have been quite. Well, I mean, with we, it. we had uh, beers to drink and pizza to eat, and the Carmen, where in time is Carmen San Diego game show to watch? Oh, yes. Which we didn't watch. So the, the Carmen, where in time is Carmen San Diego game show? I was interested to discover was actually based on the video game that we're talking about, and it was an American Turkish. TV show. We watched it being broadcast on a on a public broadcasting channel in Alabama, oh, but was, I assume it was, it was that was amazing. I assume it was just after it, it is unbelievable. Um, so it's I won't sorry talk- to interrupt, but like I I couldn't I didn't realize how popular Carmen San Diego actually was at that point in time because I think it was like it was quite a long time this was like one of the a later iteration of it because mm. it basically like, where in the world is the, the, the where in the world came first but also like, geography yeah. but also like, like yeah. Skyrim like, they, just, they just kept bringing it out on every kind of subsequent <laughs> console their first game was out in like the mid 80s but it was I think it was the fact that there was a it wasn't initially meant well the first when the world wasn't initially meant as a um an educational game but someone caught on to the fact that you could use that to teach kids about history and I think that spurred its popularity I think it was in schools it was actually an edutainment um, PC yeah which is Uh, why it doesn't really resemble the Mega Mega Drive version was a port done by EA it was a downscale port so I just want to create some context as to why the fuck there's a cartoon and a a game show I mean it's it's, she's such a phenomenon cultural phenomenon in the states that everybody here has heard of her like even if you don't know very much about it you know that she's a woman in a big red like Shaquille O'Neal and she's yeah (laughs) (laughs) I would the talking about it being a DOS game and then it being ported I was I did want to talk a little bit about the developer that made it um, which is a company called Broderbund yeah um, who I was interested to discover also developed a number of other games. Some of them were edutainment ones, and some of them weren't. But they developed Karatika, which is one oh, of the yeah. one of like the the kind of the one of the first ever beat marks. That's the old school like game. And Prince of per- the original Prince of Persia. Oh, they, uh, huh? And Mist. Um, and uh, a game called I've lost it on my little list. Um, the Legacy of the Wizard, which is the fourth game in Neon Falcom's Dragon Slayer series that I was talking about. <laughs> is that the DOS developer or was that the developer for the Mega Drive? It's they're the same people. Oh, the same they ported it themselves apparently. Yes, really yeah, the same game. Pretty much, like, yeah. Broderbund also made a controller for the NES. What? Uh, called the U Force, <laughs> which is, which was the first ever, I think. 
motion sensor controller for a for a, a for a console uh, developed by for the Nintendo Entertainment System, and it was a pair of perpendicular consumer infrared sensor panels to translate the user's hand movements into control signals in 1989. Uh, and I just, if I may, um, I just want to read from the Wikipedia page the advertising. The press release for it, of course, followed, followed, <laughs> followed by the critical reception. Um, is it done by angry video names? Yeah, by I don't know who wrote the Wikipedia page, but it could have been. Uh, the press release advertising spiel went introducing U-Force, the revolutionary controller for your Nintendo Entertainment System. So hot, no one can touch it. Now you feel the power without touching a thing. It's U-Force from Broderbund, the first and only video game controller that, without touching anything, electronically senses your every move and reacts. There's nothing to Hold, nothing to jump on, nothing to wear. U Force creates a power field that responds to every command, making you the controller. It's the most amazing accessory in video game history, and it will change the way you play video games forever. It's the challenge of the future. U Force. Now nothing becomes between you and the game. Except radiation sickness. That, that fucking Xbox plugin, what was that? Connect. Connect? Yeah. The Connect slogan, I'm pretty sure, is you are the controller. Yeah. <laughs> I and mean, this was 30 years beforehand. The U-Force was ranked the 8th worst video game controller by IGN editor Craig Harris. Uh, MSN listed it as one of the top 10 worst game peripherals, writing second only to the Sega Activator in terms of all-out crappiness. The U-Force also used infrared sensor to create a truly nightmarish controller. Don't touch, said the adverts for the device in a rare example of an advertising campaign that got it spot on. Um, I'm about a Wikipedia shade. Yeah. But... Um, but yeah, I thought that was really interesting that because they they also that they also developed Prince of Persia and Mist and a lot of other really well respected games. Kind of all over my childhood. Yeah, and and this game doesn't get talked about anywhere near as much as those ones do. <laughs> like yeah. um, when you when you look at where in time is Carmen San Diego, they love a HUD. Is that mm. what you call that fucking border? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is which is like mass, isn't it? Like yeah, it's, it's, it's a, a, a text-based game with added HUD. It is a lot. It is actually a lot like yeah, first-person point-and-click adventure, but. You do all the point and clicking inside a menu, and yeah. then stuff happens. But it's it, as as far as like a game about being a detective goes, <laughs> I've not played many better than it. To be yeah. honest, like in terms uh, of the time that it came out and what it was, the, its target audience and what it actually was, I thought it was really. I, I really think it was worth. You actually at. are doing detective work. Yeah, you, you yeah. are like on a very rudimentary level, but yeah, you literally are. And what? and it it, it you, yeah, like the challenge. It kind of brings the challenge out of the game a little bit in the sense that you need to yeah. find and Me apply sure. knowledge and, and retain information in order to progress in the game and I thought and that's it's interesting yeah, <laughs> yeah conceptually I think it is quite cool the, the game itself I found just quite thin mm. like there's um, there's only a, a small number of possible places and um, you know uh, yeah. fa- favourite writers and stuff like that I, I only played it for like a- the, the favourite writers and favourite artists are a wee bit thin but in terms of like the clues and stuff for like where the baddie has gone next there are some I, there are some legitimately tough challenges as well because sometimes when you travel it only gives you a limited list of places you can go to but sometimes the same place will appear both in two different times in two different yeah. time zones oh, and you have to work out and there was I got fucked up at one point because it was the time zone I had, time that I had to travel to was almost exactly on the cusp of the two time zones it was oh, giving me the yeah. choice between, and I just picked on the wrong side. Which, if you make a mistake, we couldn't work out it's how to get yourself. Yeah, on no, the, if, on if the right you made one mistake, yeah. you've, you've fucked it for that for that one. So I feel like it, it made mention like a Chinese emperor, and you're yeah, and it was like he was the head of the the Han Dynasty. Or yeah. Like, oh shit, was that one thousand BC or was that? Yeah. Oh no, it wasn't Zhao Man. It, it, I think. 
it needed a better reward system than what it had because yeah. if you got just keep it, doing the same thing over and over yeah, again yeah it is just the same thing over and over again and if you get two right in a row you feel like because it, it does take you know several minutes to do a one case yeah and if you get two right in a row you you want to get something for it and you kind of don't like there's no you have to do badges about, you have or, to do about 80 before you get carbon san diego well, like, wow. Yeah. Uh, wow and there's Which, like rooms in the menu that you can go to that you can't get into like there's a lounge that you can't go into and i wanted to unlock that but there was no i figured system. out what the basement does Ooh, okay you can delete records but only the pc one <laughs> you just get a little animation of a test tube. No, you, you you put um, files into an incinerator in the basement, but ah. because there was no battery save, you yeah, because it's all password based. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're right. There's not much. There's not much progression. And like the, the thing that kind of annoyed me was that you could get every question right, but then if you kind of didn't manage your time properly, you would run out of time. Like if you it's a challenge if you ask too many questions, and also I think the concept of a, a time limit doesn't make any sense in a world where you have a fucking well, time machine. I think you could <laughs> you could make it again. You could make a new version of it and polish a few a few things, expand the options a little bit, and then have like a weird kind of sub story where it turns out that the organisation that you're working for is like corrupt in some way. Because yeah. it is. Composer. Like I, I, ended up, I ended up playing it for about four hours one day, like not one of my proudest moments. Um, I'm like Leo, I don't want to have better things to do. Um, I, but at some points, um, the clues were like, uh, oh yeah, I heard she went to go and fight in the Battle of Stalingrad, and I went, oh cool, so it was a Nazi, and then it was like, and then it would be like, it turned out against the Nazis, or like sometimes they would be fighting in the Mexican Revolution and things like that, and I was like, these aren't evil people. Yeah. <laughs> they could have the tide of the yeah. war, and yeah, you're like, yeah. nope, come yeah. with me, back like, to the future. So no. like, this, this chick like stole a crown from Queen Victoria, and then went and fucking gave it to the Soviet Union or something? Uh, like, no, time hero, not time villain. Is it, you do right, seem yeah. to definitely be working for the man, as far as it's possible. It's to the Yanks, an, an, yeah, an agency yeah. of the US government. You, are, you do seem to be definitely <laughs> kind of uh, preserving the status quo, seems to be your kind of, your objective. That's an interesting vision to explore, uh, but yeah, so but yeah, it, I thought there was a lot to like about it. I thought that the 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 user interface and just the mechanics of it were really, really interesting and really charming. And I thought that it had and the music was kind of cool. There wasn't enough music. Aye. I don't know if that's just because of how much space they had on the cartridge uh, or what. But basically, a lot of the game is played in silence. Yeah, like, um, like, well, yeah, silent. That, which, that was notable. <laughs> which, which made it when the vile yeah. henchman popped up really scary. Yeah, yeah you, you got a bit of a The music was very John Cage esque. <laughs> And the artwork is nice. The animations are... Well, I was going to say surprisingly nice. They're not surprisingly nice because this is the studio that made Prince of Persia. The yeah. animations are fucking gorgeous. So um, it, it, it's, yeah. But it's got a lot going for it. The, um, um, the, the game show, just to go back to it for a little bit, because it was so weird. Um, so you got these three kids who are playing as time cadets and um, they have to get Carmen Sandiego via tracking down that criminal for the one week. So they have to answer history-based questions. But some of the questions they asked in that one episode we watched were just like... Oh, really? Oh, it's a kid's challenge. It was textile-themed, so they were trying to steal that thing that they made after the... The bio-tapestry. The, the bio-tapestry. Yes. So they, 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 they'd stolen the bio-tapestry. But then at one part, the, like after getting the bio-tapestry, the criminal went for the AIDS clout. 
Oh, yeah, they tried to steal the AIDS quota. Yeah, they tried to steal the AIDS quota. The AIDS quota. Like, what? I, 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 I can't really expound that much on what the AIDS quilt was. It was this memorial thing. It was a real. Fucking we'll leave that as an exercise. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. AIDS quilt. Like, enough said. And then, like, I, 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 like, just it's it stuck with me that one of the questions in it it was like um, this European country with uh, King Ferdinand and Queen Isabella. But, was Isabella was notable for his expulsion of the Jews and then somebody hit the buzzer and went Spain and then it was like okay <laughs> take the time computer to Spain it did something that children's TV doesn't do enough these days which is, which is treat the kids on it like people as competitors in a, in a game show it was it was wacky and fun and still treat people exactly it was very cool um but yeah, I, I do strongly recommend looking up the Where in Time Was Car on oh, San Diego yeah, show like on YouTube because there's, there's oh, at, yeah. least, at least one, if not several episodes of it on YouTube. <laughs> um, I learned for any. I, I, this is a new thing for me. I had always thought that where in the world is Carmen San Diego and where on earth is Carmen San Diego were just regional differences in the name of the show. <laughs> Turns out that's two different news. two different shows and two different video games. Yeah. Oh, wow. um, on either side of where in time is Carmen. Can you mention? I think. I think. <laughs> I think it might. Yeah. One or two. But yeah, yeah. you can really think of any other names. So like we've done space, we've done time, uh, like <laughs> space again. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I thought I, I, I yeah, I, I, for what it was, I, re- I really enjoyed it. I'd, I'd like to make a Five Nights at Freddy's style horror game called Where in My House Is Coming. Also, just uh, that's that's all my thoughts that I have on Where in Time Is Coming. Diego, thank you for recommending it to me. Oh. Um, because ah, I would definitely wouldn't ever I just wanted to say before I finish off earlier on I was talking about that game East that I would play yeah, yeah, yeah. the studio that ported it to Android is called Dot .emu uh, and I wanted to give them a shout out just because they've been doing a really nice job of okay. bringing retro games onto onto Android look so. them up on your Play Store yes yeah, exactly that's lovely um, cool. cool that's me well to, to, it's not quite you because <laughs> oh, okay. you have to oh you're right yes. you, have to, you have to tell Mr McCormick here why you picked the wonderful in my opinion Gregory Horror Show yes. for himself uh, well it's, it's a fairly simple reason up until about 18 months ago it was my favourite video game of all time oh, well. <laughs> um, and uh, it's now my second favourite video game of all time <laughs> and uh, I just people should just be talking about it more um, so I wanted to get. I don't know why they're not. I wanted. I know yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I just wanted to force someone to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. So, Gregory Horror Show is is so unlike in any other game that I've played that we should. I should probably try and summarise it. So, you you pick a, a male or female character and you kind of wake up. Not it's not entirely clear how you got there, but you end up at this kind of. Um, Creepy um, hotel, populated by a, a cast of um, uh, sort of very un- unusual characters, and you're lost told, souls. Lost so yeah, lost, lost souls as I described, yeah. um, which is kind of interesting theme of the game. But um, you enter this hotel, the doors locked, and you're being told to retrieve um, some souls that um, have, for whatever reason, have been. Um, have been distributed among the various guests in the hotel. Um, so you I, have, I read it as that it was their souls. I initially thought it was their souls, but later you, you find out that, um, yeah, Gregory, who's the, the, the little rat 
character who is the master, hotel manager. Masturbation addict rodent that he is. <laughs> yeah, um, a fascinating character. Dark themes here. He had a kind of collection and they ended up being misplaced and other other characters got hold of them. But you have to um you have to kind of liberate these souls from the guests who have them. Not not their souls, but they walk around carrying these additional souls. Are these human souls? Um, I'll, I'll kind of I'll get into that. Right. Uh, <laughs> otherwise, you'll effectively um, lose your mind and be stuck in the hotel forever. You can check in any time you like, but you can never leave. <laughs> so yeah, um, you have to it, you have to get these souls from um, various guests. Who the, the guests are? I should point out this game's um, it's got a kind of cartoony art style, although it's ostensibly a, a horror game. It's kind of very it's it's horror themes. No, not at all. Um, the gameplay is is a kind of um, a combination, I would say, of like a a survival horror game and a, um, like an adventure game. Right. So the main kind of um, mentalities of the game is um, you walk around this hotel. Um, you spy on other guests so you look through a keyhole of the room that they're in and um, they'll tell you a little bit of information sometimes it's just kind of fluff or backstory but the main thing you try to get from other guests is clues on the the weaknesses of the guests that are carrying around these souls because if you know their weakness you can catch them off guard um, and while they're not looking take this soul back off them and return them to death so while you're kind of solving these puzzles, you're also um, you're sneaking around, trying to avoid um, some guests because some guests, when you're confronted by them, they give you what's called a horror show, which is a rather disturbing scene uh, in which they do something unpleasant to you, and you lose some health. And your health bar is also always ticking down. So if you reach uh, zero health, you um, it's game over. And if you've not saved. <laughs> um, sometimes frustratingly for me because I didn't save often enough um, you don't go back to the last guest you, you just you straight up lose so the, an example of a horror show yeah. is um, one of the early guests is this pink lizard dinosaur woman who's yeah. also a nurse uh, who, who I found really scary oh yeah uh, and she's terrifying called Catherine which Catherine. is a recurring name in Japanese video games for like scary women <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm not sure where that comes from but um, Catherine's like she carries around a giant syringe she's mm. obsessed with getting your blood just she really wants blood oh, giant magic. yeah so she just comes across where we use syringes you see her in other scenes she's like oh I can't wait to get your blood and she's stabbing the syringe into like, a little cross mark on her bed it's kind of obsessed with that. Um, yeah, just that. Um, one of the examples of the kind of weird tone of this game. It's full of cartoony characters, but the themes are quite uh, unpleasant, which is quite cool. Is this game called PS2? PS2. Um, so, you. Um, yeah, there's. Um, the characters are probably the main kind of draw of this game. They're, the Lost Souls, is, as Mick said, but um, they're all kind of. They're kind of outlandish characters. There's like um, there's like a cactus. There's a, a television based oh, ghost. TV fish, cactus gunman. Yeah. Like. In my head, they kind of all came from maybe different universes and worlds, and but they've been lost and they've ended up in this kind of liminal like place. A Rick and Morty multiverse type thing. Yeah, like a lot um, of cactus people. Because they're um, in 
after death, maybe because there is um, there is the two characters which really disturb me. It's the two. Um, it's like Daddy and Puppy or something they're called. Yeah, like, and they're, yeah, they're both like, little um, like kind of cute puppy dog characters with axes in their heads and blood coming out and oh, wounds, um, and yeah, I really wanted to know like their their backstory, um, oh. which. I also found out that this is based off a Japanese cartoon. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to know because I know you guys have watched it. Um, I think we're heavily stoned. Um, do you find out more about the cat? These cat are these characters in the cartoon, and do you find out any more about them? To be completely honest, the 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 game is a really faithful adaptation of the cartoon in ah, the sense okay. that graphically, like visually, it looks exactly the same. Yeah. Um, it's CGI, everything's made out of kind of box, everything looks like it's made out of kind of cardboard boxes. Yeah. But, they, but they CGI. Look like Animal Crossing characters yeah. or something to me. And, like. and, 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 and the game is just as mysterious and obtuse as, uh, sorry, the TV <laughs> show is just as mysterious and obtuse as the game is. The episodes are about three minutes long. Oh. Um, a lot of them are, are in the first series of the cartoon anyway. The game lifts scenes from the cartoon directly into cutscenes ah, okay. from the, into the game um, and yeah it's just bizarre it, did you play it to the end? Uh, no I didn't play it to the end um, about three quarters of the way through it the ending is really interesting in the game because it, it you definitely get an impression playing the game that there are kind of that there's some quite mature themes at work yeah definitely um, and Greg Gregory is a cartoon mouse but he's also kind of Norman Bates. A little oh, bit. Yeah. Like, he's yeah. got a weird relationship with his, his mother. Yeah, and... and you he's, don't see until, I guess, the end. Yes, she turns up at the end. But the, the, and the, ending, the ending of the game, it, it definitely creates this... It's very unclear. It's not, it's not really specific. But to me, it created a really clear sense of the, the story of the game being about your player character either attempting or or deciding or kind of being at the cusp of deciding to um, commit suicide yeah. and, the, and the game is your kind of mental journey into finding a way out of that place um, so it, it, it does it kind of it, in a very not an explicit way but in a, in a very kind of implicit way yeah it deals with some like quite intense themes of kind of depression and, and, and mental illness that Kind of that makes some of the characters make a bit more sense as well. Yeah, in terms of was, I, I kind of had that in my head that it's like you know we've got this place, don't know how I got there, and then you're reading books which kind of talks about the kind of making a decision in your life. I, I, I kind of caught on earlier on that there was some themes of suicide, and it's quite an interesting way of. Um, I guess it, it gets around um, some of the. Um, things like censorship because it's not getting sort of visceral graphical horror it's, it's more know. like thematic horror right. and that juxtaposed with the cartoony graphics makes it even scarier to I, me I, so I found it really creepy in that sense as well I think it's I, almost more scary playing it as an adult see, than it would be as a kid sometimes the more subtle something is and the more less inferred it is you know the more effective it can be yeah. I, I don't really get frightened by games very easily Um Man unsettling, would you my, say? Other than Gregory Horror Show, your skin? I, I, um, I'd been on a three-day bender in London and this guy let me try out a VR headset where it was like jump scares and stuff and that really fucked me up. Yeah. But um, generally stuff like that wouldn't get me. But Gregory Horror Show, because of the kind of cutesy graphics and that just juxtaposition, like it, it, yeah, it's definitely... And it's been utilised by indie developers like successfully in recent years like I wonder if it's like quietly influential or something Greg, well, there's, a, there's, like, there's 
I had something I was going to say, and then that's made me think of something else I wanted to say. Oh, okay. So I'll say them both quickly. The, one of the things about Gregory Horror Show that it does better than any other game I've ever played, and that is the thing for me that makes it the most terrifying, is giving you this the sensation of being chased. Oh yeah. Because you spend a lot of time running away from things because you can't fight, you can't really defend yourself. And you're dumpy. You can't run very fast. Yeah, you, you like, move you, basically like, the same speed as everybody else. Um, so so it does, and you get chased a lot, and that's and you have to hide and things. Yeah. Definitely the best horror games for me have an element of like powerlessness. Yeah, which is why, yeah, which is why Resident Evil Four right. is a great action game, but not a horror game because you you have a, an arsenal of weapons and the controls are such that you can pop the heads off zombies quite easily. The third one had that uh, nemesis, a nemesis, where he would turn up at various stages of the game. Yeah, but I mean, you could still like kill him with a rocket launcher. You look at something like Alien Isolation, where you just have to hide under a bed and hope the alien doesn't get. Gregory you. Horror like, Show is definitely more reminiscent of something like Clock Tower. Where you've you've got no no power at all to yeah. do anything other than run away and try and hide from stuff. It's interesting because Gregory, Gregory Horror Show for PS2 was developed by Capcom, and it has lots of references to Capcom properties. Yeah, I was I was going to say as well. It's um, that we're talking about in Earthbound about kind of self referential elements in, in games like um, Gregory Horror Show definitely has um, that with Capcom properties um, the one specifically I'm thinking of is Resident Evil because um, the healing item you pick up is our herbs mm. uh, the exact same as the um, as the ones in Resident Evil so there's um, there's I guess a few different kind of gameplay elements going on there's a kind of um Slightly similar to Majora's Mask, there's um, an element of learning schedules and learning where characters are going to be at each individual time. So yes, that, that, and that takes a weird box in my brain somewhere. I don't know why. Yeah, that's something that I don't particularly got on with. Shame I don't you. know why. I think it's just in real, I think it's just real life. I'm not sure <laughs> management. Um, a pair of shoes at uh, the Water Dragon shop, but it's only open at certain times for the day. <laughs> <laughs> boss the wee man's out for his lunch! Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do the old digression here since Leo was here. On the <laughs> uh, Shemu, right? <laughs> it's got a, a system where time passes and it's like 20 seconds to a minute, right? 20 seconds is a minute in real life, or in Shemu land, whatever you want to call it. So you've got to go and work in the you've got to go and work in the docks, right? As a forklift worker, right? Mm. But you only work from Monday to Friday, right? Saturday, Sunday, you're allowed to just cut about Dublita Street. It's, it's good, good that they gave Rio the weekend off. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, sometimes you forget what day it is, right? So you go... Just get ready watch for, like real life. Get ready for work, say hello to your wee granny, go down, get bits and pieces, <laughs> play a few games in the arcade, and you go down to a bus stop, and you realise there's no buses, man, taking you to work. <laughs> you say, oh, what the fuck? You sit there for about maybe 20 minutes, nothing. And you go, and you look at your watch, and you realise it's a Sunday. <laughs> so you've been standing waiting in virtual bus stop to go to virtual job. Gregory Horror Show doesn't really have days of the week as much. Like, it's it's like, yeah, you're kind of, um, it's an like odd Groundhog Day thing because there's, there's four, four nights, um, and in every night a different set of guests come along, but you can you can play the same night, it just kind of loops over and over yeah. again. So the schedule is, a, I guess, like a 24 hour, 12, 12 hour. It's, it's, because, it's, it's because the hotel's. This purgatory, yeah, right? and I can, like, yeah, 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 but my hesitance there was just in case that I was going to say the hotel was purgatory and you was going to go, What? It definitely sets itself up as purgatory, yeah. Just enough, like, couldn't get any weirder. So, um, lost, yeah. <laughs> gameplay wise, um, this isn't a slight on the game, probably this is more to do with me, um, that I didn't go on that well with the gameplay because it, it combines. This kind of time management element in 
um, puzzle solving because you have to figure out the strategy for getting this person's uh, soul uh, and also the sort of stealth element of hiding and running away from the monsters. Um, I work as a, a software engineer and often I have to um, solve bugs in the software and that's quite time critical because if um, it's a, I work in a financial system and they do a lot of calculations at the end of the day so if you don't solve the bug by the end of the day then it has grim consequences like this you game a horror show by Cactus Gunman yeah <laughs> as such this game reminded me of work <laughs> <laughs> your health is kind of constantly ticking down while you try and solve the problem um, and you can delay that by um, getting items and using them but um, yeah I felt I kind of I like puzzle games but I, I usually I, I would say I prefer puzzle games where you kind of have infinite time to figure out the puzzle there's not an element of dread a prediction of mine where and, uh, like I knew Leo was going to be giving you this was that it, immediately I thought McCormick will find this game stressful yeah I, that's the word I would use stressful but that, I mean I guess that's possibly intentional but I, I, I like it's, the stress it, well, it's like, interesting because I, from because I played it so I got bought this game when it came out which would have been 2004 oh, yeah, something like that. Uh, and I'd spent a lot of time playing it and it, what I, one of the things that I love about it so much is, is almost the exact opposite of that is the sense of just existing in the hotel and like essentially although you have an objective and you have an order in order to progress in the game you have to do things in a certain sequence yeah. you do just get to just kind of wander about well, and I, just kind of be in this place I, and kind I of like, the, and I think as the game goes on your health bar your health bar increases and it kind of it opens up a little bit you get a bit more time to explore and um, but yeah I, I did like that scene I liked um, kind of uh, like your car in San Diego I like going around and finding things out like mm. it's the whole um, voyeurism element is quite a cool mechanic it's just you know seeing the forbidden world of all these other guests I, yeah. I like, getting immersed in the world I like that element I like that it feels a little bit to me like a fucking cheesy like uh, night drop fucking no no night <laughs> like, like a murder mystery you know like um, all these strange characters are assembled on the Orient Express and you know there's a Viscount that hates yeah. his brother and uh, there's a fucking you know a hunter that fucking hates this guy for, because he stole his rhino or some shit mm-hmm. like that like so you, you have all these fucking strange characters which I, I feel like we would be remiss if we weren't talking a wee bit more about the guests and I would say like did you have a favourite hotel guest? Um, so yeah I mentioned before the two um, what are they called? Um, I think the, called the, mummy, the, mummy Papa and Mummy Dog I oh because yeah they're mummified as well yeah, so which I was thinking yeah, mummy like, as in like mother but no mummy because they're, they're mummified yeah. I like them um, they uh, walk about with axes sticking out over their heads and they're always complaining of being sick and they say they stole a soul because it makes them feel better um, and, and it's, tr- it's kind of tragic taking the soul off them for that reason yeah, yeah. so I mean in, in my head they were like you know pets that had maybe just had been killed by their owner because they didn't want them anymore and they're stuck in purgatory trying to make themselves better with medicine even though they can't make themselves better um, and in the horror show for for the um, uh, one of the two of them, um, they pull out a giant pill and they they force you to take it, 
and that really hurts you and in my head that uh, you were kind of innerly violated by a, a suppository mm. in, <laughs> in that one so yeah thematic horror that's, um, that can be a bit terrifying Leo for a, for a straight man favourite guest ooh that's tough for like it was Cactus Gunman is a, is a strong is always oh, going to yeah. be good because Cactus Gunman is a, a Mexican bandito who look, who is a cactus uh, and he there's comics about him you can find yeah, comic books him. about his <laughs> like exploits yeah. and his adventures and he's a hero but he's actually a terrible coward uh, and he's he's, <laughs> he, he's one of the there are a few guests that do this he's one of the guests that doesn't chase you he runs away from you if he sees you because he's scared and he's scared yeah. of everything um, and he has a little sister that like idolizes him and I feel like there's a there's a kind of there's a sense that he he's kind of surrounded by this terrible shame of the fact that everybody thinks he's this hero including like his own sibling yeah. idolizes him but so, he's so actually if you look at him, <laughs> if you look in on his room do you ever find him like weeping about the fact that he's a fraud I, he or just or kind like... of paces about I think but Catherine loves Catherine lusts after she, him like, as well if yeah. you look in on the infirmary Catherine's like oh yeah. my you're so strong and I, think, like, <laughs> I think for me the most the fr- the most frightening and this is really probably quite cliche is the lo- the the guest called Lost Doll. I hate, lo- oh, Lost Doll. Lost Doll fucked me up the most. Who is a, a little? What do you want to talk about, Lost Doll? Yeah, Lost Doll is um, it's a little girl. Um, she's really sad that she's lost her favorite toy, her favorite dolly. Um, but when she um, she also flips her, her entire head, turns around. And there's a demonic doll face on the back of her head, so and the doll those says, action figures. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. and the doll's face says she would never find a lost doll because the lost doll is me. Um, yes, yeah, so she's quite quite terrifying. So like, um, um, yeah, talking about Cactus Gunman, I mean, that's kind of part of the themes of the game. You've seen the kind of hidden lies of these characters, what they don't want you to know. Um, Cactus Gunman, you. When you see him out and about, and he's talking to people, he gives it big licks. But when you spy on him and you see him, you realise that he's a coward. And that's an example of like one of the ways how you. There's a lot of creative puzzles as to how you actually get the the souls. That's kind of main your main objective is to find out how to get these. For Cactus Gunman, um, yeah, you find out through various snippets of conversation that he's a coward. Um, you find out that um, he will get really spooked if you knock his door, and somebody and he himself says that um, if someone knocks on my door three times, then I'm just gonna I'm just gonna lose it. Um, so the way to get him is when he's in his room, you knock on his door, you run away, he comes out, he goes who's there, he comes back, and you repeat that three times, and eventually just flips out, he drops his soul and he runs. Um, so. That for me, yeah, fine, man. Um, I found I found solving some of the puzzles quite difficult because there there's quite a wide wide range of things that your your character can do and that you can do to, to and trigger the, these events. M- more areas of the hotel open up. The like more guests come in. The more nights that come yeah, on. And you I'm, get a library. You get a TV room. You, you start recognizing like, secret passages between them as well yeah. as ways to escape and stuff. So that um. I was never all that clear on the the parameters of like what the game would understand, like the, what what I could do to trigger these events. For, for this one, I had it in my head that you maybe had to knock on his door three times in quick succession, but um, actually, yeah, you had to knock the door and, and run away and, and come back again. So a lot of the times, I, th- I felt I was really close to the solution, but the game wasn't quite understanding. Um, 
that I had reached that conclusion and I found that a lot frustration frustrating, especially when the, the health is ticking down. And also with the, the the doll as well, you have to you, you find that she's looking for a lost doll, you can get some items and exchange them for a doll and you give that doll to to her and so that's you have to like put it down two steps away from her. Yeah, so like, like, yeah, like yeah, I found that a, a little bit frustrating. There are there is some kind of there's a definite imbalance in that some of the puzzles are really satisfying because they're just that like they're challenging but they make enough sense that you could definitely work them out yourself yeah. like the Hell's Chef one or the, the, um, yeah, the, the Catherine one that, that, that teaches you about the puzzles yeah, that you just drop the banana peel and, and she falls down she'll slap and, but, the and chef is really is uh, making this amazing dish and you have to go in and fuck a lot of daft items and ruin, ruin his soup <laughs> yeah. he's so angry that he chases you and then you have, he's got a candle for a head and you have to chase him into a room that has a draft and that blows out the candle yeah. and <laughs> so, so it's, it's, yeah. it's great man Whereas there's there's a, a, later on there's there's two yeah so like and that and that's really smart in the sense that I I as like a well, I probably wasn't even that young seventeen or something um, worked that out and I felt really proud of myself yeah. but then to, close to the end of the game some of the last guests that you get there's another father son couple called Clockmaster and my son yeah um, and son. Uh, yeah he's just called my son <laughs> um, and Clockmaster is a grandfather clock and my son is a smaller clock don't um, talk to me or my son ever again yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Clockmaster's horror show is basically they transport you to just a random point in time during the day <laughs> and it just completely fucks up your oh, like sanity no. gauge and you've got no idea like you, you, you like you got no concept of where you are in terms of everyone's schedules and you could get like there could just be someone like you, you, you could wake up there, and there's yeah. someone right there it's going to horror you and that, that puzzle I actually had to look up I never managed to work it out because you have to do you have to like go and get a screwdriver from somewhere and, and to be honest I can't even remember what it is now but it has to do with placing a tool somewhere so that one so that Clockmaster will like do some like maintenance work on my son or something so that it'll drop his and it's like that didn't make it like even when I knew the solution it didn't really make any sense it had that kind of like so it's a difficult one as well because because these characters are kind of um, quite fantastical like for a, a chef that has a, a candle for a head yeah. um, you, you definitely have to think outside the box to definitely. get to the solution so it, it was definitely difficult and definitely in translation um, trying to come up with puzzles and communicate the clues to you in a way that you might understand them um, must have been pretty tough so how does this game resolve itself like, what, what happens you collect all the souls from all these disparate uh, hotel guests and then well, give them back yeah, like Leo can maybe tell us about it at the so, finale well yeah so what like happens it. is I was going to say the best guest is Judgment Boy Judgment I'd like, I'd, I, I couldn't believe that nobody had said Judgment Boy because <laughs> he is so dope he's this fucking weird clown thing that's like a set of scales and he judges everybody but like he's kind of sound like He'd, like, he's on your side. Yeah, he's, one it, of, he's one of two characters in the entire game that's on your side. And then Neko Zombie. Neko Zombie is the other one, yeah. Who the I, zombie cat. Who I thought was a lassie, but as turns out as a wee boy. Or Apparently, but, like, yeah. you know, you can, um, have, you can believe what you want. It's a cat. Yeah, it's it's fluidity. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Judgment Boy, man, fucking hell, he's, know, he's yeah. amazing. So Judgment Boy, yes, yeah, so Judgment Boy is a, is a living set of scales that judges people's. judges people, and it, which is really important thematically to the game because the game is obviously yes. has a lot to do with decisions and it has to do with. 
your your sense of self and morality are you worthy of existing yeah. like, in one, yeah, in like, one like, cutscene like, he weighs up Gregory's soul and finds him wanting yeah exactly well, and then he, <laughs> he has lo- love or money is his thing and, so he has yeah. and, and for the final day for some reason three gold judgement boys show up yeah but yeah but so at the end of the game you collect all the souls um, and uh, give them to death you find you discover it hasn't really been made clear through the rest of the game but you find out that Gregory uh, he's very Gregory's very nice to you incidentally like it's really clear that he's not being sincere he talks about himself in third person yeah. he's a fucking weirdo but you, find, you, you discover that he has also been chasing these souls throughout the course of the game trying at to the, get them back at, yeah trying to get them back at the behest of his mother uh, because his because they belonged to his mother where she got them from is never expounded upon but <laughs> Um, he has lost she, them. She's a JRPG final boss. Yeah, she's just like yeah, he. He's lost them, and she uh, is m- mad at him, and and he's trying to get them back. So you've given them all to death, and he's in the shit. And so Gregory's mother shows up, and she's the final boss of the game. Um, and there's the closest thing the game gets to a boss fight with her, where she basically shoots magic at you, and you have to kind of trick her into shooting at certain parts of the of the wall so that the hotel starts to collapse yeah. uh, and then you have to run out of the hotel along this weird kind of like dreamlike red carpet path out of the woods into <laughs> into life again That's and then it cool. gives you a little monologue about you having been in a very dark I can't remember it well enough to do it justice now but it has to do with you yeah. being in a lost place and then kind of finding yourself again at the, at the end mm. of the game uh, and then the game automatically restarts with you back at the hotel which kind of yeah, it kind of undermines the, 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 the positive feeling of the, of the end of it seems like this game is somebody's life's work but they've really it's the point about a tour I, I would guess I'm not sure if it has like, <laughs> I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know who led it um, or anything. Actually, I've never really looked into it. In my, like, I, I feel like it's genius. I, think I, I feel like it's a masterpiece. But um, I would agree. But it, it's, but it is very. It does have a very specific appeal, I think, to certain types of gameplay. Yeah. What you were saying before about it influencing other games, there's a game called The Sexy Brutal, which came out a couple of years that ago. That was the one I was thinking oh, of. Which yeah. was Jim Sterling, if anyone follows Jim Sterling. It was oh, his... Yeah. Jim Stigator or whatever yeah, it's called. Yeah, it was Jimquisition. It was his favourite game of the year it came out, which I think yeah. was 2017. Uh, and it shares a lot of the same mechanics in that you listen, you spy on people and you look through my wee brother Aero of Dynamite and Eddie two episodes fame um, <laughs> had told me to which he, he called it Sexy Brutale and that's what it was in my head as well but it's yeah Sexy Brutale um, <laughs> so I, I, I guess I need to check that as well um, and we, we're running over a wee bit but that just means that it's, oh, it's a good show um, but I I can't believe that neither of you mentioned fucking James James is a wee dick. I, I hate James. I just didn't so talking much. about playing. I just didn't. I just didn't you just you hate him that much. Yeah, yeah. 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 I just wanted to my list for a little so, bit. So, so, so in a in a kind of um, Earthbound esque unity of theme and mechanics, um, James is Gregory's son or nephew. Or nephew, I think. Um, James Gregory is, has as a virgin. That's fact. <laughs> <laughs> um, James is a pain in the ass, and the reason, the, the way that um, the game communicates to you that James is a pain in the ass is uh, when you encounter him, he follows you about, and he doesn't let you do 
what you want to do. It doesn't let you look through um, people's um, people's scales because it goes, "What are you doing? What are you, what are you up to?" It, it bugs you because he's bored, um, and he goes, and <laughs> "It's really annoying." And when he's about and you're trying to investigate something, you just have to wait until he's bored and goes away. I just like shouting "fuck off" at the telly when he's there because yeah, so much. It right, yeah. Your plans. It's a really um, yeah, a really good distillation of a little kind of kid. Painted this kind of. Lynching kind of surrealist. David Lynch is Abs- fucking. I, I, that's, oh, that's exactly what I would put on there. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Um, Even just in the sound design, it's actually quite lynching. Yeah, like, it's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> really interesting, man. About that. I'm yeah, really, it's a long play. I, I, I cannot recommend it enough. Personally, I think it's an absolutely stupendous game. If I had never played Bloodborne, I would still be saying it's my favorite game of all time. I think everybody interested. Good. Yeah. Everybody interested in the medium should fucking check it out. For certain, um, do one or both um, want to share some final thoughts? Um, I would, yeah, just sum up by saying um, I've mentioned before I, I like games that um, have a kind of unity of purpose, a kind of auto-driven game. That's definitely that. Um, I like the, I like um, non-violent games, and this is a kind of great example of a, a non-violent game. Mm. I would maybe have got on a little bit better with it if it. Um, if it either leaned more on the puzzle side of it or more on the survival horror stealth element, I felt like it kind of felt between it fell um, between two posts and that one for me personally. But yeah, um, I mean, if you're at an absolutely unique experience, then I would definitely recommend it. Um, cool. I, I thanks for taking the time to play it. Yeah, of course. I I, I feel like. It, people should talk about it more. I feel like it's yeah. a really, really I'm important. Agreed, and you should. Yeah, honestly, I went to the Capcom Cafe in Tokyo when I was there a couple of years ago, and they didn't have anything about it, and I was very disappointed. <laughs> I wasn't expecting them to, but I was still secret, quietly a little bit disappointed. Just a recreation of the yeah, <laughs> just something, just like because just like a little model of, it, of Gregory or something. Because I, I yeah, I just I can't uh, express well enough how. Important and in just really fucking fascinating a game that I think it is. I made a good attempt today, yeah. so you have well, made yeah. a good attempt. It sounds very interesting, but yeah, that's that's my thing. Well, I would like to give Dynamite Neddy props and thanks to Leo, um, and you, also I would like to say we'll definitely have you back down the line, schedule permitting. Um, yeah, I would love to come back. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for having me. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. So I also do another. Part. I mean, technically, this is a sort of crossover. In a sense, in the, in the, well, because we'll have Sam on this at some point. Too. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. So, so I I do a podcast um, called The Bookshop, which you can find on Spotify um, with uh, a Glasgow-based uh, publishing company called Speculative Books. Um, we publish a poet, book of poetry every month, and you can get it on subscription if you go to speculativebooks.net forward slash subscribe. And we also do a podcast. Uh, Occasionally, it's not very <laughs> timely, but it is there. Um, uh, but yeah, so check that out if you feel like it. They are friends of the show and good cunts. That's the fucking Neddy guarantee. Speculative <laughs> books. Um, so um, all that's left is to bequeath each other. We're going to we're going to go back a, a wee bit OG next episode, uh, Mister and Mrs. Listeners, and, and and everybody in between, um, and just have a, a three man panel. Um, so. And then, what have you got for myself? Well, it's a bit of an odd job, this one. I'm right. going to give you GoldenEye for the N64. We should... I'm I'll, amazed you've not played it. I'll, I'll expound on it a wee bit. I've played lots of GoldenEye multiplayer. I have never, ever sat 
and just blasted the single player campaign like, triangle polygon and Keats and a bad kind of narrative I've never blasted through the single campaign in Goldeneye so I, yeah looking forward to that very much nice uh, McCormick what do you have for Andy um, okay so Andy um, I know you've played a few treasure games including this podcast's namesake this is one that I don't yes. think many people have heard of it's actually really good it's um, Astro Boy Omega Factor for okay, the no. Game Boy Advance um, so Astro Boy yep. yeah I'll, I'll but, win, but I haven't played it well slept on game but yeah if you're a fan of Dynamic Neddy Gunstar Heroes Icarus or anything then you enjoy it smashing um, and my game for Mr McCormick which you kind of played but like a long time ago and maybe not all the way through or anything yeah. like that um, and I'm uh, right so it's Soul Reaver 2 yes um, oh, and it's, it's, Legacy of Kane right and I, I'm, I'm going to tease this a little bit because I fucking as a teenager got that game for PC and got super into it to the degree where in standard grade English I wrote a cringy short story for your exam about a demon who forsakes heaven and hell and follows his own path is that your standard grade exam the most I, 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 I may have been an exam no it's not an exam because it's in my house somewhere like <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to read that on fucking the next episode. So oh. that's all about. There's a teaser, right? And um, uh, Dynamite Neddy with Shag your dad. Um, and Pump Jam more. Pump Jam more. on you. Uh, your mum shags your dad. That was my. Yeah. <laughs> my PE teacher said that once to someone. Uh, it, to someone that was dicking about in PE, and it, it really made me happy. So there you go. PE teacher just one PE. Dynamite fucking Neddy. You Ian View. 